Hey creeps, I'm Taylor and this is TGI Crime Day. Welcome to TGI Crime Day. Today, I am going to share what we know about the unsolved murder of Jared Brightigan. This is an open and ongoing investigation, and I have been following Jared's case pretty much from the beginning. The events surrounding Jared's death have led investigators to suspect that it was a professional hit. I had someone reach out to me on Instagram and share this family's Instagram page at the beginning of all of this, and since then, I have been anxiously following along. Um, real quick, I just want to say <laughs> that I am going to do my best to keep my emotions in check. Um, as I said, this is an open and ongoing investigation, but the thing is, I am not a reporter. I am not a journalist. I am just an investigator who is extremely invested in the lives of the people in these cases. And especially to be connected to this one, I don't know if it's just because they are so close to my age um, or if it's just because I have seen from the very beginning this family's fight to get justice for their father and husband. Um, and so I just thought I would put that at the top. I'm going to keep my speculation to myself because, as I said, again, open investigation. No one's pointing fingers at anyone. I have had the opportunity to talk to Jared's wife, Kirsten, over the last few months, um, a couple of times, and she's lovely. I just wish it were better circumstances that we were talking. Um, I did reach out to her and make sure that she was okay with me sharing Jared's story on this podcast. She has been in the spotlight from the beginning, doing every single thing she can to help catch this person who took Jared from his family. Uh, before I get into the case, I wanted to remind you to subscribe on YouTube, follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can also email me with case suggestions, or if you have your own personal stories from your hometowns, you can email those to tgicrimeday at gmail.com. I'll have that listed in the show notes or in the description box if you're watching on YouTube. Jared Galen Brightigan was born June 29th, 1988 in Warrensburg, Missouri. Jared had one sister and two brothers, and when Jared was very young, his family moved to Jacksonville, where he eventually graduated from the Douglas Anderson School of the Arts. This school sounds really amazing, as you can guess from the title. It's a school specifically for kids who have an interest in the arts, whether that's theater, music, creative writing. They have options for just about everything. And Jared specifically was interested in film. His older brother, Adam, praised him, saying that he was a creative genius. He said that Jared would make films sometimes, and sometimes Adam would act in them, which I love. I love when families, like, do the whole thing together. It's so great. Um, after graduating in 2008, Jared went on to get a degree in digital media with an emphasis in cinema production. He graduated from Utah Valley University in 2014. Jared built a career working as a senior UX designer at Canopy and chief technology officer at Clean Simple Eats, which is a really cool Utah-based company, um, before becoming a senior design manager at Microsoft. Jared was married to his first wife in 2010. The couple had twins together and then eventually filed for divorce in 2015. Um, and real quick, I'm not going to be using the names of the twins because I know that their family has been trying to kind of keep them out of the public and I want to respect the twins' privacy. Uh, we'll speak more on that situation in a little bit. A couple of years after his divorce in early 2017, Jared met a beautiful girl named Kirsten. In her interview for the Nancy Grace podcast, Kirsten shared how they met and fell in love. 
Kirsten had moved to Charlotte, North Carolina to work for Microsoft, which is such a weird coincidence that they both worked for Microsoft just in different states. Kirsten didn't know a ton of people there, and she was trying to navigate the dating scene and meet new people, so she downloaded a dating app. And one of the first people to catch her eye was Jared. And she was obviously struck by him. He was very handsome. And the thing that really stood out to her was that his first picture on his profile was one of him with his twins. Kirsten loved that right up front he was loud and proud about being a dad. And it was a very obvious from the beginning that Jared was a very dedicated father. Soon after matching on this dating app, they talked on the phone for hours and were so anxious to meet each other in person. Kirsten called their first date a quote-unquote marathon date. Jared drove six hours from Jacksonville to Charlotte to take her out, and they wanted to make every second count. They met up at a museum, and then they went to dinner, then bowling, then an escape room. Kirsten said that they, quote, couldn't get enough time together, and they made the most of the time that they did share. Kirsten also described the moment that she knew that Jared was the one. She said that in the time they'd spent together, of course, she was falling in love with him, and he was so kind and treated her so well. But the moment that sealed the deal for her was when she got to see Jared with his kids. Seeing Jared as a dad and how much fun he had with the twins and what an incredible dad he was just kind of gave Kirsten that feeling that she wanted to have that same kind of family with Jared. Jared and Kirsten were very much on the same page with what they wanted their lives to look like. So after 10 months of long distance, Kirsten was able to keep her Microsoft job but work it remotely. So she moved to Jacksonville and they got married in October of 2017. Jared and Kirsten had a beautiful relationship and a beautiful life ahead of them. They welcomed two adorable daughters, Bexley and London, and Jared and Kirsten loved doing home improvement projects together, and that hobby definitely spread throughout the neighborhood. Jared was the kind of guy who had all of these tools and was happy to lend those tools to neighbors and would always end up helping them um, and giving them advice with their projects. People often describe Jared as happy-go-lucky, funny, and a powerful presence in people's lives. He had a very successful career, was multi-talented and very well-liked, but one line in his obituary really stood out to me that said, quote, His highest purpose in life, however, was his role as husband to Kirsten and father to his twins and Bexley in London. His family always came first, no matter what. While Jared and Kirsten were building their lives, they also had to navigate the journey of being a blended family. Jared and his ex-wife Shanna had 50-50 custody of their twins, and they would switch off every week, one week at Jared's, one week at Shanna's. They also had what they called quote-unquote date night with the twins, so if it was Jared's week, Shanna would pick up the twins for date night, uh, dinner, going to the beach or whatever, and then at the end of the night, she would drop them back off at their dad's house and vice versa. This way, they didn't have to go a full week without seeing their kids, and I love this idea um, for co-parents. It's great. Wednesday, February 16th, 2022 was a date night. And the twins, who were nine years old at this time, were at their mom's house for the week. So Jared picked them up and took them out to dinner and for ice cream. Usually the whole family would go. So Jared, Kirsten, Bexley, and London would all go with the twins for date night. But Kirsten said that this was around the time that they were trying to get London, who was eight months old, on a good sleep schedule. So she stayed home from date night to put London to bed. Two-year-old Bexley, who seems like a total daddy's girl from what I've read, she went out with the twins and Jared. Bexley has been described as Jared's shadow. Where he was going, she was going too. After dropping off the twins and tucking them in, Jared called Kirsten to let her know that he was on his way home. He said that date night went great and that he would see her soon. Shanna's house was only about 35 to 45 minutes from Jared and Kirsten's house, depending on traffic. After some time... After some time had passed, Kirsten started to wonder what was taking Jared so long. She had tried calling him multiple times with no answer. Then she started to get worried and she was checking traffic reports, seeing if there had been any accidents reported, but there was nothing. 
Eventually, Kirsten called her mom in a panic, and she felt in her gut that something was wrong. Kirsten and her mom got in the car and started driving in the direction of Shanna's house while Kirsten continued to call Jared's phone. Eventually, someone did pick up, but it was not Jared. It was a police officer who told her that she needed to go immediately to the Jacksonville Police Department. Kirsten kept asking what was going on, had there been an accident, but the officer just kept replying that her daughter was okay, but she needed to go to the police station. When Kirsten and her mom arrived at the police station, two-year-old Bexley was there with an officer. They informed Kirsten that Jared had been killed. They informed Kirsten that Jared had been killed, and at first, Kirsten thought there had been a car accident, but then realized Bexley would not be at the police station. She would be at the hospital getting checked out if that were the case. And I'm sure that no matter what scenario she imagined, nothing could have prepared her for what the police told her at that point. And I highly recommend listening to Kirsten tell her story in the episode of Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. But get your tissues ready because even just trying to read the quotes from this is making me... (laughs) I'm having a hard time getting through it, so I apologize that I'm like sweaty and trying not to cry. Um, I will link that episode in the show notes. It has a lot of really good information and Kirsten is incredible and every interview I've seen with her impresses me so much. Her strength and ability to be compassionate and calm. I can't describe it. You need to listen to it. I hate that she even has to be all of those things. No one should have to go through what this family has, but Kirsten has handled this situation with so much grace because of her passion and dedication. Um, This story will not be swept under the rug and the truth will come out. I could go on and on about Kirsten and (laughs) this situation, but I will move forward and let's talk about the investigation. Jared was driving home from Shanna's house and he took the same route that he always did, winding through a suburb style neighborhood out to a stretch of road, the only road that led to the highway. On this route, there are plenty of well-lit streets that have a lot of doorbell cams and even a police station. But then there is a wooded area that blocks the road from the houses. Based on what they found at the scene, officers suspect that Jared got out of his car because there was a tire in the middle of the road. Knowing what they know about Jared personally, his family absolutely believes that he would get out of the car to move a hazard so that no one else would have to run into it or get out of the car and move it themselves. It was just the kind of person that he was. Um, He turned his flashers on. The police found the car with the flashers still on and running when they arrived at the scene. Um... So they assume that Jared got out of his car to move this tire that was in the road, and he was shot four times at a very close range while his two-year-old daughter sat in the car helpless. Bexley was only alone for a few minutes when a good Samaritan stopped to see what was going on. They saw Jared, realized Bexley was in the car, and called the police. Kirsten was shocked, of course, and she couldn't believe that her husband was gone, especially in such a violent way. Right from the start, police suspected this was a targeted attack. It was too specific to be a random act of violence. That night, Kirsten's life was changed forever, and she has spent every day since then searching for answers. Unfortunately, the area where Jared was killed didn't have any cameras. Like I mentioned, this was a stretch of road that was wooded and blocked from view from the houses behind it. There was a doorbell camera that caught the sound of the gunshots, so they were able to pin down an exact time the attack happened. And after that, detectives were able to gather footage from the cameras around the neighborhood, including the one outside of the police station that showed a truck that appeared to be fleeing from the scene. This truck was a dark color, most likely blue, and looks to be a 2004 to 2008 Ford F-150. It's really tricky because the footage is so grainy, we're unable to see if there are any distinctive markings on the truck or the license plate number. Jared's family organized candlelight vigils along with a fundraiser to act as a reward for any information that led to an arrest. 
This reward started off as $3,000 but grew to $55,000 through fundraising through Crime Stoppers. Still, no one has come forward to claim this or to give any viable tips. Right from the jump, things with Jared's ex-wife, Shanna, were not great. There isn't a ton of information about Jared's relationship with Shanna, which is fine. We are all so nosy and we want to know everything about everything, um, but truly it's none of our business. So as long as detectives have access to the full story, that's all that matters. But what I've read over a number of articles, I will share with you the best I can. The main source for the info about Shanna and Jared's relationship is from an article that's by Rebecca Rosenberg for Fox News. Jared and Shanna got married in 2010. Um, they were both very young in their early 20s, and an unnamed source said that when Jared first met Shanna, he wasn't necessarily interested in dating her, but Shanna kind of wined and dined him, and eventually the two fell into a relationship. Shanna's parents own a crafting business called Stampin' Up! that rakes in over $100 million a year. So, if I understand correctly, she kind of brought Jared into the life that she was accustomed to with plenty of expensive dinners and fancy trips and things like that. When they got married, Jared was still working towards getting his degree, so he wasn't making great money at that point, but that was okay because Shanna's parents were giving them a monthly allowance of $8,500. They moved into an $800,000 home in Highland, Utah, and both drove Mercedes. Shanna's parents also generously gave Jared um, $100,000 to start a business. They moved from Utah to Connecticut after having the twins, and people close to them have said that this move to Connecticut was when things really started to go sour in the relationship. What started off as a happy, loving relationship turned volatile and miserable pretty quickly. Eventually, Jared convinced Shanna to move to Jacksonville, um, which was Jared's hometown, to kind of have a fresh start and get things back on track. It seems that the couple was just moving in different directions in life. Their focuses became different, um, especially from the time that they got married. And allegedly, Jared found some spicy emails between Shanna and her personal trainer. And when he confronted her, she told him that she didn't love him anymore. One of Jared's friends said that Jared said, quote, I don't recognize this person. I married a totally different person. If you have been through this kind of situation, you know that a lot of the time, the person you divorce is not the person you married. Do you know what I mean? At first, it seems like Jared was willing to fight for this marriage, if only for the kids, but Shanna rejected that proposition. Unfortunately, this would not be an easy process, and it ended up being a whole back and forth court battle for years. The divorce was filed in February of 2015, and the document simply stated that the relationship was quote-unquote irretrievably broken, and they told the court, quote, we just don't love each other anymore. The tension between Jared and Shanna grew more and more over the following months. Jared was trying to start a business. Shanna was in a much better financial situation because of her parents, um, but Shanna refused to move out of their home. And Jared didn't have the means to move out at that time, so they both stayed in the home while they went through their divorce. This, of course, made things a lot worse. Each of them wanted full custody of the twins. Jared argued that Shanna should have to move out of the home and pay child support since she had the means to do so. Shanna accused Jared of threatening to withdraw money from the twins' trust funds, um, which later, I believe that um, accusation was dropped when they were able to prove that, that Jared never threatened to do that. Um, Jared then accused her of lying on financial statements because Shanna had said that she had no job, so she had no source of income, but she was definitely getting money from her parents, and according to Jared, she was being paid under the table working for their business. Things really tipped when Jared allegedly found a baby monitor hidden in the twins' rooms. There were baby monitors already in the rooms, like in plain sight, 
just obviously to act as baby monitors. But apparently Jared found a baby monitor hidden under his daughter's dresser and his son's bed. He also accused Shanna of putting a tracking device on his car and a voice recorder somewhere else in the house. Shanna installed a lock on the master bedroom door that Jared didn't have a key to, and after Jared found all of these things, he sent an email to his lawyer that said, quote, This is enough. I should have every damn right on my own property to not constantly be under recording or monitoring by Shanna. I want the flipping gates of hell released on her for this, end quote. I don't blame him. They finally were able to agree on that 50-50 custody split and finalized their divorce. But unfortunately, they spent the next six years in a constant battle. They were in court over and over every time an issue with the twins came up over custody agreements, child support, where they would attend school, etc. They requested a mediator um, in 2020, and Shanna's attorney said, quote, The party struggled to resolve issues between themselves and tend to turn to the court for resolution. This has resulted effectively in a constant state of litigation, end quote. Her lawyer left out the part about how Shanna was the one to initiate the majority of the court actions. It sounds exhausting for everyone involved. Kirsten spoke about these constant court dates and allegations in the Nancy Grace podcast, and it seems like over time, the accusations got more and more ridiculous on Shanna's part. Later on, after Jared's death, Shanna did an interview where she basically said that while she and Jared didn't always get along, there were still some happy times between their families after the divorce. Kirsten said, quote, I don't recall any happy moments between the two households, end quote. Kirsten was also shocked by some of the unprofessional wording in these court documents, recalling a specific one where Shanna accused Jared of, quote, being more concerned with humiliating the mother than he is in making sure his own child does not die. This is a reference to an issue that they had in June of 2021. Shanna filed another court motion against Jared when he would not allow her to take a breathing machine um, that their son used on vacation. Their son was born with a heart condition that made it difficult for him to breathe at higher altitudes, and while both Shanna and Jared had breathing machines at their own homes, Shanna claimed hers was bigger and less convenient to travel with. Not impossible, less convenient. Shanna was so mad that Jared wouldn't let her take the breathing machine from his house that she filed a court motion. Her attorney wrote, quote, The father apparently considers his vindictiveness toward the mother more important than protecting his son's health and life. End quote. Seems like a bit much. They settled this motion in court and Jared agreed to pay $571. Um, I think this was maybe to buy a smaller breathing machine to keep at Shanna's house. I'm just assuming here there wasn't an exact reason listed what that money was for, um, but they just ended up keeping the original small machine at Jared's house. Kirsten said that all of these fights and court motions were really hard to watch. Jared wanted to focus on being a husband and a father, but Shanna was always filing some court motion to keep the drama going for years. She said it was really upsetting because sometimes the twins would tell them things that their mom had said about their dad, and they had multiple conversations between Jared, Kirsten, Shanna, and Shanna's husband about keeping the kids away from the drama. Kirsten expressed that it's hard enough to have split families and that the kids didn't need the added stress of adult conversations. It's just really hard, and this is a situation that unfortunately a lot of people face. That court hearing was the last one before Jared's death. When Shanna found out about Jared's death, she said, quote, I was shocked and fell to the floor because I was devastated for what I would have to tell my kids, end quote. Shanna did not allow the twins to attend the candlelight vigil or Jared's funeral. And if I understand correctly, Jared's family just wasn't comfortable with Shanna being there. Understandable, in my opinion, given the state of their relationship. But of course, they wanted the twins there. And Kirsten tried multiple times to offer to pick them up and take them to the funeral so that they could be with Jared's side of the family and, and see everyone and be there for their dad's memorial and funeral. 
But Shanna insists that they said that if she couldn't go, they didn't want to go. I'm just going to leave that alone. I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to... I, mm. I was going to say something, but I will keep my speculations to myself. Shanna's mom, Shelly, wrote a post for her blog where she stated, quote, After Shanna, along with anyone who knew her, was uninvited from Jared's funeral services, Shanna and the twins planned their own celebration of life, end quote. This post included professional photos of the celebration of life at Shelly's $3.5 million vacation home. Uh, there was a huge spread of Mexican food along with baked treats that the photos showcased. Shanna, her husband Mario, and the twins are pictured grinning with dozens of their close friends and family. I'm sure it was a beautiful beachfront backyard party, but many people have critiqued the post, calling out how weird and inappropriately joyful the event was, given the circumstances. Some people were calling it out as a PR stent, and one person commented, quote, I've never seen so many smiles at a celebration of life ceremony for someone who was murdered in cold blood. Never mind all of the pictures of the food and decorations, end quote. Shelly has since deleted the negative comments and her responses to them. The post is still there if you would like to look at it. Also, just a side note, just, it's a fact. With all of that money that Shanna's family has, not one cent of it was contributed to the reward being put out for information in Jared's death. Meanwhile, Kirsten was organizing a funeral and trying to deal with this tragedy, including multiple news interviews asking for help identifying Jared's killer. The whole time she has been in the media, on the front lines, doing everything she can to get justice for her husband. A week after Jared's death, someone was caught on security cameras outside of Kirsten's home. Kirsten was putting Bexley to bed when she got an alert on her watch that there was movement outside of the house. When she checked, there was a blurry figure moving quickly away from the corner of their house. Unfortunately, it was right at an angle where this person couldn't be fully seen. She called the police who came quickly and did a check around the outside of the house, but they didn't find anything. This was extremely upsetting and unsettling given the circumstances. They have no idea who could have been involved. They don't know if someone was after Jared or Jared's family. It, I can't imagine how terrifying that would be. Over the last few months, more information has come out regarding things that happened with Shanna. First of all, 12 days after Jared's death, while Kirsten was still planning the funeral and doing interviews with detectives, trying to piece together any possible information, Shanna sent her an email. And Shanna was asking that Kirsten go and return some library books that the twins had borrowed from the school that needed to be turned in. Not the most urgent errand to worry about at the time, in my opinion. And then eight minutes after that email, she sent another email asking for Jared's death certificate. That email said, quote, My attorney has requested a copy of Jared's death certificate for the family court. You can send it to me or to him and his paralegal directly, whichever you prefer. Kirsten was shocked and probably furious and very upset over this. First of all, they had always communicated through their lawyers. Why would Shanna need to contact her directly? Second of all, Kirsten didn't even have a copy of that document yet. Third of all, death certificates are county records. So even if her attorney did request it, they could have gotten it that way. And the cherry on top is that later her attorney, Todd Spodick, said, I would never have my clients do anything like this, especially given the acrimonious relationship between the ex-wife and the widow. There was no urgency to the matter and the request could be misconstrued. Attorneys have process servers and paralegals who can easily obtain a death certificate. It makes no sense to reach out to the wife, end quote. I think we all agree with Todd there. <laughs> Shanna was so anxious to get that document because it was the last thing needed to close up the divorce and custody court docket. In June of 2022, someone who worked at a tattoo parlor in Florida came forward with some shocking information. 
Apparently, Shanna had gotten multiple tattoos at this shop, so she was friendly and familiar with the staff there. This particular appointment this person remembered was when Shanna was at the shop in 2015 for a genital piercing. This was while she and Jared were going through their divorce, but still living together. And this person has remained anonymous, but detectives have interviewed them and verified the dates and times of these appointments. It's legit. It's not like a made-up story or an exaggeration that someone's, like, making these false claims. This person said, quote, She had been talking to us about her divorce, and she told us her life could be better if he would just, quote, shut up, and asked us if we knew anybody that could, quote-unquote, shut him up. Later, in the only interview that Shanna has ever done, she admitted to saying that. But she said that people often say such, quote-unquote, bitter things when they're going through divorce and that she never meant him any real harm. Not long after this information came out, Shanna hired a very well-known criminal defense attorney, Henry Cox III. According to his bio on the Bedell Firm website, Cox, quote, specializes in serious federal and state criminal matters, end quote. His area of expertise is listed as criminal defense. When this was pointed out as being strange, the reason given by Shanna was that multiple people had referred Henry Cox as a great lawyer. Not long after Jared's death, media reporters took photos of her and the twins playing in the park, and she said that she was extremely uncomfortable and that the kids were really upset and worried about their safety because of these reporters. 100 million percent. Reporters should not be using photos of children without consent. That's 100 percent valid. Why you would need a criminal defense lawyer to take care of that, I have no idea. Multiple law experts have stated how strange this is, and Kirsten herself said, quote, To this day, I have yet to be personally contacted by Shanna or Mr. Cox regarding this matter. And Shanna's own mother has blasted images of the kids on her very public blog. So it's either a smokescreen or Mr. Cox is inept at his job, which I doubt is the case, end quote. For a long time, Shanna refused to do any interviews or give comments. Totally fine. Everyone has a right to privacy. But she did finally agree to do an interview at the worst possible time. Jared's birthday was in June, and he would have been 34 years old. To celebrate his life, Kirsten and her family organized a really cool event in his memory to do 34 acts of service in the month of June. And through their Instagram page, they challenged people to do acts of service as well. While Jared's family, friends, and supporters did this lovely thing in his honor, Shanna did a media interview the week of his birthday. And unfortunately, the news station local to Jacksonville decided to do a week of teasers showing clips and chatting up this interview and, like, building it up. Um, all week, and then they aired it the day after his birthday. This was such a slap in the face and very upsetting for Jared's family. Kirsten was extremely surprised at the timing of this, and I agree that it was in very bad taste for the news station to do that the week of his birthday. This interview with Shanna was her trying to clear up some of the things that had been circulating about her. As I mentioned before, she said that she did say she wanted to get rid of Jared, but she didn't mean it, and that people say, bitter things while they're going through divorces. This was also the interview she said um, that while they didn't always get along, they had some happy times as a family unit, which again, Kirsten said she didn't remember any of. Personally, I'm not sure when there would have been time to have happy times or any kind of fun between the constant court filings, in my opinion. And finally, Shanna said that she had absolutely nothing to do with Jared's death, that she, quote, has no idea what Jared was involved with, end quote, and that they ran in different circles. As far as the investigation goes, there is only so much that can be done with the very little evidence found at the scene. Kirsten said that she has a lot of faith in the detectives working this case. She feels like they're doing everything they can and working very hard to get justice for Jared and his family. 
Unfortunately, things like DNA testing on the shell casings found at the scene and getting phone records, all of that is a very lengthy process and it's just a waiting game at this point. One really interesting thing from the Nancy Grace podcast was an expert who talked about the tire thrown in the road at the scene. He said that this tire is a really good piece of evidence because while the photos and videos of the truck are really grainy, this tire is a tangible piece of evidence that they can actually work with. It was the tire and the rim. So every tire and rim has a specific serial number that can be tracked back to a specific manufacturer. Then they can track where that tire was sent and the dates. Then they can narrow it down and look at whatever specific tire shop it was sent to and narrow it down again from there. And in a best case scenario, of course, they would be able to connect it to whoever's car that was that that tire originally belonged to. While there is very little to go on in Jared's case, there are a couple of really important pieces that can be looked at. Along with the tire, it also won't be impossible for detectives to narrow down who knows Jared's specific movements. Only so many people in his close circle know his exact route to and from Shanna's house and exactly what day and time he would have been in that specific area. There have been no official suspects named in this case, but there are only a small pool of people who would want Jared gone. The bottom line is that someone, and while we do not know who, someone definitely targeted Jared. This was not a coincidence. And the thing that we see in these murder-for-hire plots is that no one is as smart as they think they are. Cracks start to show, and justice does happen. There's always something that connects it back together. It's just a matter of putting together all of the pieces. There's also an extremely high chance that the police have more information that they're just not able to put out publicly, and we will eventually know someday. Uh, but I hope that we can all keep an eye on this together, and I hope that you will keep sharing Jared's story, especially if this is the first time you've heard it, um, and supporting his family. We have seen time and time again, how cases can be solved when the public is loud about it and stands together and doesn't let these situations be swept under the rug. With that, I will leave you with this quote from Kirsten. She said, quote, The fight doesn't get easier. It gets harder as more time passes without answers. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop fighting for Jared. He deserves justice. The family deserves justice. And the community deserves justice. End quote. I will keep you updated as much as I can on Jared's case, and I really hope that there are more updates soon. Go follow at Justice for Jared B, that's B as in boy, Justice for Jared B on Instagram and send his family some love and happy thoughts. And again, just keep sharing, keep talking about it, keep posting about it. Um, thank you for being here with me and thank you for allowing me to tell you Jared's story. I will talk to you soon.